0: Hello, men. Welcome to this episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. Today, I'm having a conversation with Dustin Burnham. Dustin is a man on a mission. He is on a mission to empower men to become better fathers and better husbands by disrupting negative societal pressures and encouraging men to step into their power to leave a legacy in their family. He is one of the four hosts of the Present Fathers podcast, and he exemplifies his presence with his own son. And he's going to share how he has implemented practices and routines in his life that have helped him build a stronger relationship, not only with his son, but with his wife. He's going to share a rites of passage program that he's guiding his son through over the next several years. That's so good. I'm going to implement it with my son. And I hope that you do the same. Dustin is also going to share a unique perspective on building legacy and even the term legacy. You see, Justin was raised by a single mom. And while many might see that as a disadvantage in building a legacy or becoming a strong father or husband, Dustin used it to his advantage. And he's going to share how positive male role models in your life, whether it's in your family or your community, how rites of passage and how your own perspective on building legacy can shift with only one phrase, one chain of thought. And I want you to hear that today. This episode with Dustin Burnham on the Dads Making a Difference podcast starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Dustin, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, brother. Great to see you today. Thank
1: you. Great to to see you, Cam.
0: Man, I'm excited for this conversation. We had George on uh, a couple weeks back, and I'm just so excited to dive into your crew because you got these four amazing guys, and you all have very different stories. And you've come together with the Present Fathers podcast, and you're doing this together. And I know the story behind it is a little disjointed in how you all got together. So uh, we're going to dive into that later on. But Dustin, for the men who are listening here, I'd love for you to share a bit about your story how you grew up and what it looks like for you now as a dad. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks,
1: Cam. So, uh, I grew up with a single mom. Uh, it was just her and I growing up. Uh, I was an only child, so we were very close. Um, she honestly, I think did a better job than a lot of two parent households raising me. I'll always be thankful for her for all the work she did. It was, it was really amazing. She read stories to me every night. Um, And it was the most important thing to her. She gave up a lot. Uh, She's still not married, you know, and has had, you know, I think that's, that's a challenging thing to be growing up uh, as a single mom um, with, with your son. So uh, that, that's a whole, you know, kind of different issue. Um, But anyway, so that's, that's how I grew up. Uh, Went to college at the University of North Carolina. Um, I was a personal trainer for 10 years and absolutely loved it. It was a blast. Um, And I decided around age 30, I kind of noticed there weren't a whole lot of very old personal trainers. It was mostly kind of a young man's game. So I said, all right, I'm going to go back to school and find something else that's interesting. And I met all these people who provided anesthesia, who had great lives, loved what they did always told interesting stories. So I had a lot of um, lawyers that I worked with. Sorry to the lawyers, they didn't seem to enjoy their job that much. I don't want to do that. Um, Worked (laughs) with a lot of CPAs, accountants, same thing. They were like, they didn't want to talk about their work. They wanted to talk about what they did on the weekend. And when I talked to people in medicine, they wanted to tell me about their work, how uh, riveting it was, how wonderful it was to help people. And so I said, that's what I want to do. So I went and shattered in the operating room and uh, saw some crazy stuff. I almost passed out when I saw my first surgery. And I thought, I don't think I can do this, you know? And I talked to a couple of the guys and said, you know, am I cut out for this? And they laughed and they said, that happens to everybody. If you've never truly seen kind of how brutal it is initially, Uh, you have a mask on, so you're, you know, um, you're in this sterile environment. It's very weird, right? So that's okay. If it happens on the 50th time, you need to look at something else. (laughs) But first time, you know, don't worry about it. Um, So, uh, and of course the first surgery I saw was a cesarean section, which as far as surgeries go is pretty weird because the mom is awake. Mm -hmm. So normally during surgery, you have, you know, passed out patient, you know, you know, pretty chill, no big deal. Well, she's awake talking, having these conversations while the surgeon is grunting and, uh, you know, giving all of her effort into pulling a live baby out of this woman's abdomen. And so that was a lot, you know, from a first thing, it's a lot, <laughs> yeah, that's saw. a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but then I saw four or five more and realized that I love this. This is something I'm really excited about. So I'm going to do it. So, went back to school. Uh, it's a three year uh, anesthesia masters program. Okay. Um, it's It's relatively new. We can only work in twenty different states, and we're gradually increasing. Uh, Nevada just opened up, a few other places are. And uh, eventually, I think we'll be nationwide. But for right now, we're like the physician assistant version of, um, for anesthesia. And yeah. so we do everything a doctor does. We place tubes, lines, put people to sleep, keep them asleep, wake them up, all that kind of stuff. So it's a very rewarding job. I've uh, trained Navy SEALs and uh, Army Rangers on the basics of um, life saving and anesthesia. Um, I work with uh, doctors, um, residents, uh, students of all kinds. And that's one of the most rewarding Parts is, um, helping, you know, teach the next generation, uh, how to save lives and how to, um, how to be part of that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a pretty fun, rewarding career. I really enjoy it. Definitely. Keeps you busy. You you shared some stuff in your quick story there that I want to unpack, but first I just got to call it out. Cause if my brother was listening to this podcast and I didn't point to this, he would be very disappointed. You went to the university of North Carolina. UNC Tar Heels, right? That's us. Um, yep. Yeah, I, as a Canadian kid growing up in the Alberta, Canada, playing basketball and starting playing basketball when I was like eleven years old. So ninety two. Uh, I had to latch onto a team right I started to watch a team and since I've been 11 years old the UNC Tar Heels are like my team like like they're my NCAA team and then (laughs) my my middle brother Chris also like we just love the Tar Heels and so we he's got he's more of like a collector than I am but he's got like jerseys from all these great players who played along the way at UNC And then my youngest brother, I I don't know if he was dropped on his head as a child or not, but uh, he's a Duke fan. So I'm so sorry. Oh, that's got to be difficult. It is. It's terrible. So (laughs) I had to draw attention to that. So it's kind of cool. People ask me all the time, like, you're a Canadian guy. Like, why are the Tar Heels your team? I was like, man, because I started watching when, like, the mid like the early 90s man this was awesome like yeah, it was so yeah good. you had and
1: jordan I, vince carter incredible oh, players yeah, oh, yeah right
0: and i mm-hmm. didn't like michigan so it's perfect <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that works out we do we do tend to beat up on them don't we
0: <laughs> uh i, I want to dive into a little bit of your upbringing because you know you mentioned you had a single mom are are you an only child or do you have siblings
1: it was just me yeah uh, I, I think uh, my father has a couple of um uh, kids on his side. I haven't met them. I may at some point. Um, I, I haven't uh, haven't done it yet. I went on Twenty Three and Me and saw you have siblings and other people that you're related to. And I said, oh, wow. him, and at some point, I might meet them. We'll see, but it's not urgent. I have a giant family on my mom's side, so as far as that goes, you know that that's enough. I think
0: very cool. So for you growing up, it was you and mom. Mom mm-hmm. working hard to raise her son. Um, for connections, you said very large family. Did you have like? I think about like a positive male role model in your life. Did you have uncles, a grandfather, a coach, somebody in the community along the way that you got that like male leadership from?
1: I did. That made a big difference. My uh, grandfather uh, was a huge part of my life. He didn't live in the same state. I grew up in Florida and he was okay. in Michigan, uh, but he made it a point to spend as much time with me as we, uh, as he could uh, spend a lot of time on the phone. A lot of what I learned from him um, was what I model now as what a man should do. Um, so he's ninety now, so he's quite a bit oh, wow. older. So you know, it's not quite the same as having you know a dad who's you know able to play with you on the same level that a grandfather can. But as far as the uh, the values and the leadership and all that, I got a lot of that from my grandfather. Um, yeah. That being said, it wasn't there every day. So a lot of my twenties and I would say even thirties. I'm forty now. Was a lot of self discovery and a lot of understanding what it is to be a man. And I hope that I'm able to give my son a little bit of an easier road in that direction because I think I didn't necessarily know what it meant to be a man. I was in the gym working out every day. I had, you know, 500 pound deadlift. I was strong. You know, I had a lot of, I I make good money, I'm successful. So in some ways, I think I thought that that's what it meant to be a man. And I didn't realize uh, all the other important elements of, of what manhood is. And now as a dad, you know, what fatherhood is.
0: Right. So you say your twenties and your thirties. So you're in your twenties. Uh, you've left home to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, your mom still lived in Florida when you left, uh, go to North Carolina. Correct. Yeah. So, wow. So you head off, you're on your own. Uh, your grandfather's that male role model, but you're pretty much on your own. You're heading off to college. And you said in your twenties and thirties, you learned more about what it was to be a man, and what it looked like. What were some of the lessons that you learned during that period of time that helped you shape into the man that you are now, and the father that you are now? I was not a good boyfriend.
1: Um, I dated some wonderful women, and I didn't cheat on them or do anything horrible like that. But I didn't know how to treat them like a man should. You mm-hmm. know, I um, I think in a lot of ways I was more of a boy and. A lot of men who had dads around still behave that way. So you know, I can't blame <laughs> yeah, it hundred percent on that, yeah. but I had a lot of learning to do. And I'm thankful that I met my wife at the age of 30 after I had some time to mature and become a better man. I was in, when I say I acted like a boy, I was selfish. I, you know, just kind of thought of it myself. Um, I didn't, uh, really think about a long-term relationship I think I was really just dating to have fun and hang out I was never thinking oh where is this going to go we're gonna have kids and we're gonna you know build a legacy build something together that wasn't really in my head until I met my wife and I realized this is someone I want to build my life with and this is someone I want to have children with and you know all those things that we think of as you know potential steps that
0: we take as as dads and as men that's amazing how old were you when you got married we were 30 okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we're kind of on that parallel path. I got married around the same age. Um, I was the same age. I was 30. And then people were like, you're starting late. And I think that's so strange now that we look at 30 as starting late um, because you're also a dad and you said you're 40, but you Mm -hmm. have an amazing son who's almost four, right? Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to just put it out there. You don't feel like you're starting late, do you?
1: it's hard to say, you know, you never, no regrets. Um, we had a wonderful time together. When I first met my wife six weeks in, I asked, is your passport current? We took a trip to Mexico. Wonderful. You know, I said, if we can travel together, we're going to end. It was incredible. (laughs) That's when I fell in love and realized this is, this is the woman for me. Uh, we went all over the world. I had an incredible, um, exploration in my twenties, but you know, we have one child. Would we have had more if we'd started a little bit younger? Probably might've had a little bit of a larger family. Um, is that a regret? It's hard to say. you know. I, I, I'm happy and I think it's fine. Um, but in an ideal world, maybe we were able to start a little bit younger. Um, my wife got uh, breast cancer uh, when mm-hmm. she was 33, 34. So that right. slowed us down on having children. And, and again, I think we would have had more. Um, and there's some really interesting evidence that when women uh, delay childbirth, their risk of breast cancer actually increases quite a bit. Um, not Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, that was the direct cause, uh, but that was one of the more surprising things when we spoke to our oncologist, um, that, that is a risk that in fact, when women have a child at 25, 26, um, they're much less likely to have a certain maladies. Now there's other risks that, you know, come with, um, being a mom. So it's not like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this 100%, if you want your health to be better, make sure you have children. But that was an interesting thing that we learned. And, and having Lucas was a bit of a miracle, um, we had uh, multiple doctors that said you probably shouldn't or won't be able to have children. Uh, and you know, he's proved that that was not, (laughs) that was not accurate. Um, but yeah, so going back to your original question, I think there is something to be said for, uh, starting a little bit younger. Uh, but if you're not ready, then it would have been a terrible idea. You know, if I had met my wife when we were both 22, I don't know if the relationship would have worked out and maybe it would have, and it would have gone different directions, but I think the timing was a very important thing as
0: much as meeting the right person. Yeah, agreed. I look back at, you know, how, well, times are different. And I look at back at being 22, 23 years old. I think, man, my dad, when my dad was 24, he already had three kids. And, you know, times, well, two and a half, my brother was on the way. And so, you know, so (laughs) mom and dad started really young. Like my mom was 19 when she had me. My dad was just about 21. And, you know, they just started so young and that was the thing back then. But I think about my twenties and I don't know if you think the same was like, man at 25, 27, I was not ready to be a dad. Like I was not, I was not in the headspace of responsible enough. I think I was very similar. I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable, but I was in the same spot you were I probably a little bit selfish, a little bit self-absorbed, not in like, I wasn't being a dick by any way, but it was like about me. And what did I want from my life? And, I couldn't imagine being a dad at 27, but a dad at 31 and a half, 32 was, was different.
1: And we got to explore and see the world a little bit beforehand. So that's great. That being said, my knees are starting to hurt a little bit. You know, my back's a little tight. (laughs) I kind of wish, you know, if I was younger and I had a four-year-old to be able to run after him a little easier, but it is good motivation to take care of myself. Um, I don't drink very much. I tend to eat a little bit healthier and I don't think I would be as focused on my health if I didn't have a child. Man, uh, because I know if I have a hangover, I'm going to have a terrible day tomorrow. So I
0: yeah. I don't get hangovers. That's you know, That's got the solution <laughs> to it. <laughs> I, I hear that often. This is the Dads Make a Difference podcast, but on the flip side yeah. of this, I have a business called Fight the Dad Bod, in which we do fitness nutrition coaching for men. And mm-hmm. a lot of the guys around that come in are actually just maybe two, three years behind me, around my same age. And the, the messaging is very similar, man. If I would have thought about this in my late 20s, early 30s, maybe people would have planned this a little bit differently and now they feel they're playing a little bit catch up. I don't think you feel they're playing catch up, but it's just like we're more conscious now as fathers, I think, than we have been in the past of what it means to be fit and take care of ourselves and make that a priority so that we can run around with an almost four-year-old and, and still have a lot of fun because you got a lot of years ahead of you chasing that that boy around. So that, and I that's want to be great. able to
1: chase after my grandkids too, yeah,
0: you course. know,
1: that's uh, going back to my grandfather. Um, he's one of the fittest 90 year olds I've ever met. He rides his bike every day. He's in great shape. And, uh, you know, that's my model. I want to be just like that. I want my nineties to be an amazing decade.
0: Amazing. So now you have Lucas and your dad, you want to leave a legacy in your family. And I think that starts by like, that starts right away. You know, when that baby is born, first of all, were you ready to be a dad when you became a dad?
1: I think I was. Yeah. I think we had wanted it so badly for so long that we read books. We talked about it. We had the conversations. My wife and I were very, very excited to have our child. And as re- you're never really ready, right? But yeah. I was as ready as any man could be, I think.
0: Amazing. So you're ready to have a child. Now, my next question goes to you're ready, but do you feel prepared? Because, you know, you grew up in a sing- with a single mom. Your grandfather was there, but it's a little bit different than having a dad around. Did you feel prepared to raise a young man?
1: I don't think I thought I did, but I wasn't. <laughs> I think right. that's a great yeah. point. I also- uh I thought I had all the tools that I needed. I thought I'd learned everything I needed. And then I realized that my wife and I had a fantastic relationship that worked really well without kids and that mm-hmm. we needed to figure some things out once we had a child. Uh it just changes, you know, you're um, amount of time you have to enjoy together is, is less. Uh, I knew, so I, I played tennis in college and I absolutely loved it. It was a wonderful sport. And I knew that I'd have to give some things up when I had a son. And so I honestly really haven't played tennis. He's four, you know, in probably four or five years. And so I have time to work out. I do podcasting. I spend time with friends. I have other things, but I was playing tennis 30, 40 hours a week. And I knew if I don't play that much, I'm going to hate this sport because I'm never going to be as good at it. And so yeah. I said, I'm going to take a break from this and fall back in love with it when I have more time when I'm older. Um, I actually play pickleball now. <laughs> it's so much fun. I love it. It's so good. Isn't <laughs> but you it can pick fun? It, it's so much fun, it, but you can play it for 20 minutes and it's not a big deal. Whereas tennis, I mean, that's a four hour commitment. It's like golf. You really have to put the time in to get the matches and all that. So um, I gave up tennis. Yeah, it's hard. There's still some resentment there. There's still, uh, why don't you want to spend all of your time with me, you know, to my wife? And then I logically understand, well, of course she can't. She works. She's a mom. She has other things that she's interested in. Um, I'm super interesting. I'm an amazing human being, but I'm not that interesting, right? I mean, she has to, you know, divide her time in different areas. And so going from probably a solid five or six years where we spent 20 hours a week, like quality time, just really enjoying each other to not that much time because we just can't, uh, is is really hard. Uh, I think for a lot of dads, and it was really tough for me. When you're really, really in love with your wife and then you don't have that time together, yeah, it hurts. You know, you just, you miss her. And so uh, that I think was the biggest thing that I was not prepared for.
0: Yeah. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers and the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men. To be, dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. So how are the two of you managing it now?
1: Uh, So we had a postpartum uh, doula that we spoke with, Mm. um, and she was absolutely incredible. Um, So doulas are typically known as someone to help with the birthing process. um, And we had someone for that as well. And it's relatively inexpensive. I think the whole thing all in was a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't that much for considering how much counseling is involved and all that. It's it's a fantastic deal. So for any um, upcoming fathers, I highly recommend look into a doula. Like medulla oblongata. (laughs) So (laughs) they, uh, they're wonderful, total game changer for us. Um, we had these, uh, conversations, um, with her probably 10, 20 sessions where we talked about needs or we talked about, Hey, you know, it's been two months since we've had sex because, you know, you just, uh, had a baby, um, you know, how do we deal with that? How do we navigate these these challenges of not necessarily having your needs met the same as they were before, and uh, keeping that dialogue open and helping to understand what is realistic is, is really important, you know? So for me, um, what's realistic is that my wife, uh, you know, spends 20 hours a day catering to my needs. <laughs> to her, that's not realistic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, meeting in the middle to, and I'm, I'm kidding, of course I'm not like yeah, this, but, uh, you know, but, but meeting in the middle to where, um, and I realized, of course I wasn't meeting her needs either. Right. I was focused on work. I was focused on my son and I realized, well, of course she's not as interested in me because I haven't taken her on a date in two months, you know? So, um, finding good babysitting, is, uh, every happy dad that I, that I know, especially with multiple kids has a good babysitter, that's, yeah. that's key. Um, and so you still keep some romance alive. You're still dating your wife, though. Those are really key elements that I didn't really think about, um, before, you know, we had a baby. I just thought, well, we'll just, you know, figure something out and we'll see each other when we need to. And it's not like that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. When you have kids, you have to be more organized yeah. and uh, I'm not a super organized person outside of work. And so, learning to be more organized and, um, you know, putting together time and making sure that we're still meeting each other's needs was the biggest challenge. And then the biggest thing that we're still working on. Um, but I think we're, uh, we're having a lot of success with, and that's, that's the challenge of it.
0: Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I think the, the theme of what you just shared as you're speaking, I'm just like, This is intentionality, organization, intentionality, being intentional about spending time with my wife and being organized about it and making a plan, but also being a good dad. And we we carry a lot on our shoulders as fathers. We really do. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's not unfair. Our wives, as mothers, carry a lot on their shoulders as well. Um, But we need to be really aware of the things and the demands that the demands of our attention really. And we need to be intentional where we place that attention. Uh, We were were talking a little bit before we pressed record. And you said something about legacy that I think is fascinating because as a dad, we always want to be like, I want to leave a legacy in my family. I want to leave a legacy with my son. You know, we're both dads of sons. And what does that look like for a dad leaving a legacy who might not think in the moment, "Uh, I don't know how to do this.
1: So I spoke with Nick Freitas a couple months ago, and he gave me one of those moments where mind blown, right? And it completely reframed how I think about it. So I asked him, I said, okay, you had a, um," he he knew his dad more than I knew mine, but he spent most of his time with his mother. And I said, okay, so you didn't necessarily have this time to build legacy with your father. Like some people do. Uh, What did you do? And he made this great point. He said, you still have a legacy to leave. It just begins with you. And in many ways, that's exciting. You don't have the baggage, right? I mean, if there's things you don't like about your legacy, you know, maybe you have some crazy things in your background you don't want to deal with, you can create your own new legacy and take it in whatever direction you want to do that. And so uh, that's that's my goal. Uh, I have some little milestones kind of like, uh, do you have Boy Scouts in Canada? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. So similar to Boy Scouts where, you know, if you, Uh, complete certain challenges and um, move on from that, you then gain certain responsibilities, but you also gain certain rights. And so my goal with Lucas is every couple of years, ideally in a group setting with other dads and other boys, we will set a series of challenges. Um, Some of them will be athletic, uh, some of them will be academic, um, and some of them will be spiritual. And if he's able to successfully pass these tests, and he's a certain age, he will then gain certain rights and responsibilities. Um, So when he was three, this is kind of a silly one, because he's young, um, he peed off the back of a boat on his own for the first time (laughs) so good (laughs) so i said that's one of your rights of manhood you were able to successfully held out of the railings the boat's going pretty fast he's peeing everywhere he got it worked out great (laughs) so i said all right that's your right of manhood at age three is you were able to successfully do that um so now and of course at three i don't give many you know rights and responsibilities a little young for that but uh at age five or six, uh, I'm planning to put together some group events where he will prove that he has earned the right to do certain things, but it will also entail certain responsibilities. And I really believe uh, just like a marriage has people watching it and it means more because your friends saw you make these vows. I really think that as a young boy or as a young man, if he is able to complete certain challenges and then he promises to do certain things, then he will enjoy those responsibilities more. And he'll also understand a stepwise process of what it means to be a man. Uh, yeah. Because for me, like we talked about earlier, I went to college, I made some money, I drank a beer, I had sex for the first time. I guess that makes you a man, but it really doesn't, right? There's so much more to it that that leads to that. So I want to give him that framework that will help him succeed, not just um, you know from a work perspective, but also from an emotional growth perspective. Because I think that took me- you know, an extra 10 years. And I'm hoping he can get it done a little faster. <laughs> <than
0: I did. laughs> uh, we want our sons to be ready, maybe mid 20 to be a dad, Hey, to be 27 and not be where we were a little bit self-absorbed. I love yes, that. That exactly. idea of that rites of passage and peeing off the back of a boat. Come on. Like there's, there's a lot of skill. There's a lot of skill in that. And people are listening to this. If you've never done that, trust me. Yeah, it, It's exactly. not that easy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, he's, he's just about four. What are, as you're talking, I'm thinking about what are the intervals in which you want to do these things? And what are some of the checkpoints, maybe things that you're looking for as uh, your son goes through this process?
1: So it's going to be unique to him, right? Because I think um, we talked to a guy named Matt Boudreaux, um, who's an educator, and he's uh, very big on I read at a seventh grade level means nothing, right? Because just because we're both 11 years old doesn't mean that we should both have the exact same skill sets. So what right. I don't want to do is make it another problematic thing where he's like, oh, I'm six months behind this grade level, you know, whatever that means.
0: Standardization, so, yeah. Yep,
1: yeah, exactly. So I want it to be unique to him. It doesn't have to be exactly a specific age, um, but it, so it, it's a work in progress. Um, I want to find other boys that are at a similar level to him that he can um, he can challenge himself with and that he can learn along with them. So that that'll be a key element to it. Um, so it'll be around age six, around age eight, around age 10, every couple of years that I want to um, put these challenges to him. And I also want him to know that if he's not perfect at it, that it's not a complete failure and that you know it's the end of the world um i wanted to know that these are dynamic challenges that he can meet eventually so you know the Mm -hmm. goal is to make sure that it's hard but also not to the point that it's counterproductive and devastating in some way if he doesn't succeed um so it's that there's there's some uh some ongoing pieces to it for sure
0: man i love that i think that's fascinating and i love that you included I'm going to have him do this with other boys. Like there's going to be things that he does with other boys who are going to push him. And it's not just that something he's doing alone or doing just with dad, because I see a lot of this too. Rites of passage, take your son out for an overnight camping trip and leave him alone. And like all these types of things. I think there's time and place for those types. But I think there's a lot of value in growing and developing alongside peers. My professional, I think, is shared with you as a vice principal of a school, and I've worked with youth for a long time. And they will always learn faster from their peers and be pushed harder from their peers than they will from an adult who's just trying to push them to do something. Now, I noticed with my son, it's a little bit different because he's my son, I'm his dad. Uh, but with working with other kids to lead a small group, they will always listen to each other and glean off each other and be encouraged by each other so much more than they would from just the same old adult telling them what to do. So I yeah. love that aspect of it. I think that's great, man. You're, you're going to have to write a book on that. I'm just challenging. You're going to have <laughs> to like, like do anecdotes of like this adventure with your son. And as he's growing up and share that, because I think there's a lot of men right now who are looking to bond with their sons uh, who are looking for a pathway to follow because maybe, maybe they're, you know, growing up in a single mom with a single mom and a single parent home. And now they are fathers and they might be second guessing their abilities. And they see a guy like you who's like, man, I'm rocking this. I got my son. I, he's he's going to do these things. I'm being creative about it. And I just, man, I appreciate you sharing because I think it's inspirational to any man who's listening right now who's raising a boy. Well, thank you. That means a lot, definitely. And I don't want to
1: leave uh, girl dads out either. I think um, there's a lot of value in rites of passage for women as well. Um, and if we do end up having a girl at some point, you know, we'll kind of address that as we go. Um, but uh, I think it's it's really, really important for men because we we just, we need the appreciation and the admiration of our peers, it's a just a crucial element for us. That's why sports are so important. Um, and that's why so many of us thrive with our peers. Um, I think as a 10-year-old boy, I see dad doing something and I say, well, yeah, he's a 50-year-old man. I can't compare myself to him. Of course, he can do it better. But if I okay. see another 10-year-old boy or nine or eight or someone at my level and I say, wow, he's able to do it, I'll bet I can do it too. And that's the power of, of having peers around doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. Can I share something with you really quick? You just triggered a memory for me, something that I learned from Dr. Michael Thompson, who was on uh, the podcast last year. He mentioned about like raising boys and teaching them empathy and understanding and control and like positive masculinity, more or less like traits. And I was talking about how our son, my son loves to wrestle with me. Does your son love to wrestle with you?
1: It's his favorite
0: thing in the world. Isn't it great? And it's It's fantastic. And so I was explaining this to Dr. Michael Thompson. I said, like, we love to wrestle and he just loves it. And he said, of course he does. And think about what he's learning in that moment, because in that moment, he knows, yeah, he's a 50 year old man. He's a 40 year old man. He's stronger than me. He's bigger than me. He can do this better than me. He knows that. But that's also of benefit in that moment, because your son knows, like, biologically that you could destroy him in a wrestling match. And yet as fathers, we're like, we'll give him a little leeway here and there. And we show a little bit of strength, but then we ease off and we teach our boys empathy through this act of wrestling. And when you were mentioning, yeah, I want my son to learn from me, but he's going to doubt at times. Oh yeah, of course I can't do that like my dad. But I think even in watching you, And watching as he grows and watching you as an example of how you treat other people and these rites of passage you put yourself through, I think your son's going to learn a lot from you that... And my son will learn a lot from me that we just never know. Like, we won't know until they're on a podcast 20 years from now saying, Well, I wish my dad would have done this, this, and that. Yeah. yeah.
1: He put <laughs> yeah. me through these weird things. It was really yeah. uncomfortable. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah, was it was, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> about not, it. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. the, it was then, the, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There'll be a comment on here in 2020, 2041. I'll say, Oh, this aged well. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, so, real quick, uh, speaking to what yeah. you had just said, um, fMRI studies where they look at functional magnetic resonance imaging in the brain show that boys actually have a greater oxytocin release, their cuddle hormone from wrestling with their dads than they do Mm. hugging them. Whereas hugging a mom will give them that cuddle hormone and that love, but wrestling specifically with dads gives that effect. And, And so not that you shouldn't hug your kids, that's wonderful too. But in terms of if you only had to pick one, apparently wrestling with your dad is more important than hugging him. Which is crazy to me because I'm a big hugger. I'm always doing that, too. But uh, you really hit something important there that play and that, um, you know, that uh, wrestling with our kids is so important. And I guess, you know, not having that as a kid, I wonder what that did in terms of development. You know, had I wrestled with my dad, you know, for a couple of years, maybe I would have been a different man than I was. We'll never know. But I I do wonder if that does play into that a little bit with, um, you know, with single
0: parents. You'll never know right. If it would have been different, but what you do know is right now you're doing a good job and that you're doing the right things. And that's okay.
1: It's so healing. You know, that that's, that's the beauty of it is as a dad, when you're able to give your son something you didn't have and not, not money, you know, I don't care about cars or any of that kind of stuff, but when you can give them something emotional, the time that you didn't have as a kid, that, that heals you as much as it's good for him. And that's, it's a two-way thing. It's so beautiful to be able to do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. It is a beautiful thing. Being a dad is a beautiful thing, and I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful for it every day. <laughs> Me too, yeah. Yep. Uh, which kind of, I, I don't want to shift gears completely because being a dad, I think for both of us is really important. And through our own experiences as fathers and your experience as a father, I think you're called to make an impact in the lives of other men. Uh, I can see that in the stories that you tell and then the mission that you have for your own son that can inspire other dads. And it's led you down a path to now you are one of four hosts on a podcast that challenges men to be present fathers. And I think that's such an important piece of development for our kids is being present, intentional, now, being in the moment, and, and just living a life that we want our kids uh, to be proud of when they look back. Can you share a little bit about you know the Present Fathers podcast and how you started your involvement in that?
1: Definitely. Uh, So uh, Justin and I have been uh, friends for probably 20 years. Uh, He was my neighbor. We met, immediately hit it off and and we're great friends. Um, And then uh, his good friend, uh, George, uh, had been doing a lot of streaming with gaming things. So he kind of understood the whole podcasting world. Uh, And then his brother, uh, Brandon, they're identical twins. I think they're one minute apart. Um, And I love their relationship because they're identical twins, but they're not that alike. They're the most like, well, in some ways they are, but they're like, they fight all the time. It's really funny the <laughs> discrepancies and all that. So it's this really fun environment where these people who look exactly alike always take the opposite side of different <laughs> ideas. This it cracks me up. And they love each other. They're wonderful brothers. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a really cool dynamic. And so um the four of us all had kids roughly around the same time. George's daughter is a little bit older, and we were always talking about it. And uh we said it was Justin who pushed it and he said, Hey, let's, let's do a podcast. Let's all talk together, have some fun with it. And we've become such great friends from it. We've learned from it. Um, uh, we've met unbelievable people with incredible ideas. Uh, and so we've gained so much from it. I, I know I'm a better father from the time that I've spent with those men. And, um, you know, having that fellowship is so key, uh, I've grown stronger in my faith because of them. I'm, uh, you know, I think I'm just a better person in general, so I can thank them, you know, so much for that. And it, it makes me want to help other people. You know, when, when you're strong, when you have what you need, it's easier to go want to help other people and be happy and, you know, celebrate their wins.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Um, Dustin, I have a question for you, you know, you're your dad, you have an almost four year old and what is one area as a dad right now that you're like, really jacked about you're really excited about an area of growth that you're diving into so my hope
1: is that Lucas doesn't have the exact same interests that I did, right? Every, every dad wants his son. If I play baseball, you play baseball, that kind of thing. I'm kind of the opposite. I hope that he's interested in other things, and I'm pretty sure he will be. Tennis is a pretty niche thing. I'll teach it to him, but he'll probably want to learn something else. And so I'm so excited to learn what he loves. Um, if he's into music, I wasn't really a big music guy. If he gets into band, that would be so cool because I'll have to learn that along with him. So my hope is that he challenges me to uh, to grow outside of myself. And to learn what he knows so that I can be a better father, because, you know, the idea that he's really good at um, science and math and and music, and I don't care about those things at all. So I'm just going to ignore him and not be a part of that. I can't do that. I can't be that dad sitting in the bleachers playing on his phone while my kid does stuff. I'm, I'm going to be down in the bleachers wrestling, you know, in the um, the stands wrestling with him and, you know, playing around all that kind of stuff. So if he's into music, I'm going to learn how to do that. If he's into, um, you know, some uh, different thing that I've never heard of some new AI thing, I'm going to learn how to do that. And I think that's how you stay young. You, you reinvent yourself every 10 years. You know, I think my, uh, my twenties were all about athletics. My thirties um, you know, were all about academics and medicine. And I think my four, 40s are going to be about, um, being an incredible father and maybe meeting other fathers and whatever that, and who knows what my fifties will be. But I, I like to think that we're able to become a different person as we get older. And that's more fun. You know, the idea of being yeah. the same person from age 10 to 90 is not that interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Dustin, if somebody wants to connect with you, learn more about you or find the present Fathers podcast, where can they do that?
1: Uh, we're on everywhere you get uh, podcasts, so it's the Present Fathers podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube, Spotify, all of those. Um, my biggest following is on X, uh, which used to be Twitter. Um, so it's at Dustin the Dad. Um, so that's if you cool. want to find me there, that's always a great place to uh, send DMs. I'm on some other uh, social channels as well, but uh, Twitter is my my most active one.
0: Dustin, yeah. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us today, and I wish you all the best in 2024.
1: All right, same to you, Cam, and I can't wait to have you on the podcast. We'll chat with you soon.
0: I'm excited, all right.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that'll be great.
0: Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now who is driven to build a life of significance to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dad's Making a Difference Mastermind. A mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.